Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison. I'm a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and here with me to celebrate celebrate i don't know how do we feel about this it's win number six on the season man that's all we got here we have a fellow contributor chris wilson chris how we doing sir i'm doing pretty good i will always take a win i can't think of a real scenario when i wouldn't so i am pleased fair yeah and if i were the kind of gm or owner who wanted to desperately lose a game but still make it seem as if i was trying in some capacity Mm -hmm. I would pick the man who has taken losing football games and turned it into a, an art form. One Mr. Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> so you're like a five-time English major or something. Yeah, something know. like that. That's approximately. You're like a doctor. Not quite, but yeah, if you'd like to call me, I won't stop you. That's my level of respect for you. Oh, I like yeah. it. So what's an antonym for clutch? <laughs> <laughs> In fo- I think it's Cliff. Is that correct? <laughs> no, oh, that's actually Ooh. really good. I was thinking, I was like, it's not really choke, even though that's sort of how you use it in football. Right. It's more like impotent, but that's really mean sounding, you know? That's horrible. <laughs> I'm not meaning in that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have no idea whether that's true or not. Right. Yeah, no, I don't know. And I will not comment on that either. No, but no, I'm not. Either way, it, it sounds very mean. But that man, socks or no socks, they don't matter. He knows how to lose. Was he wearing socks? I don't know. I assume he was, because that's the only way that he could be so bad. He can lose himself some football games. And his DC, who I believe is still Vance Joseph, even though they keep trying to fire him every year. But yeah, I think you're correct. Oh, and they never do for some reason. He wasn't a whole lot better. We were talking earlier about the man, the myth, Hassan Reddick, who turns into Lawrence Taylor when we play them. Apparently. Why was he not rushing versus McGlinchey on every passing down he possibly could? He only rushed 15 times. And he's, at least first McClinchy, beyond borderline elite. He is not quite at Nick Bosa level because nobody in the world ever is or ever will be, but he's somewhat close. <laughs> and he just nearly destroyed the entire 49ers offense by himself. 15 pass rushes. He had a sack, 
two more half sacks. They only had three sacks in the game. Forced a fumble and just killed a ton of drives. And he did it on 15 pass rushes. So thank you, Vance. I wonder why they're trying to get rid of you. <laughs> but if you guys want to trade him, please let us know. Because we could use a guy like that who can just destroy offenses whenever he wants to. Oh, I was thought you were talking about Vance Joseph for a second. And I was like, why do we want that? Uh, but yeah, Hassan Reddick, we take that guy for sure. We want to play against Vance Joseph. Yeah, yeah, continue to do that for sure. Question for you. Yeah? Overall, and forget it being like a must-win scenario for yeah. the Cardinals, which makes it even more embarrassing. <laughs> Was that the worst game you've seen the Cardinals play over the last two years? I mean, the last two years for sure, because they played us well in both games last season. And the first game of the of the season was a close nail-wetting effort, and they played a lot better than they did in this game. Yeah, it was a strange, strange game from them. Their numerical numbers look a lot better than they actually managed. What did they have, like 350 yards of offense, something like that, which is not awful. But they couldn't manage to turn any of that into, into real points. Um, their defense has been steadily improving over the last two years, but it's not been something they've been able to hang their hat on over the last two, three years. And so that's not terribly surprising. It, it's really the 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 offensive struggles that they had that were surprising because it kind of seemed like over the last couple of weeks and even the first time that we played them in week one that they could kind of do whatever they wanted whenever they wanted and that just wasn't the case on Saturday I was going to say on Sunday but on Saturday in the twenty to twelve loss to the San Francisco Forty ers even more bizarre with this whole thing is of course this is the third game in a month that the Niners have played in Arizona at State Farm Stadium, and they lost the other two when they were technically the home team. And now they come back to Arizona, having lost to Dallas in Dallas, come back to Arizona as the visiting team and beat the Cardinals. So very strange, um, especially given all that the Cardinals had to play for. I, I We were talking about this before. I, I don't know that it was a win and they were in kind of playoff scenario, but as the announcers were talking about, they basically lost their ability to control whether or not they get in or not. They can't just win and get in now because even if they win on Sunday, if uh, Chicago wins, if the Bears win, then they're they're out either way. So they're playing the Packers. So that's probably not going to happen. Uh, but Arizona basically needs help one way or the other. Like winning is not good enough for them anymore. And that's just probably not the place that they wanted to be in. Yeah, I'd say they definitely do need some help. And when I asked that question, it wasn't necessarily meant for just the games that we've played against them. It was every game that they have played. They were that bad. They just couldn't play winning football. And while it was surprising, it's not really a shocker because that's exactly who Kingsbury has been for his entire coaching career, both in the pros and in college before he came to Arizona. Yeah. For some reason, somebody thought that it would be different and... So far, it sort of hasn't been. But I will admit that I did not predict that after the first two drafts of the game. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. And if you think about it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, the amount of players that the 49ers are missing, the fact that the 49ers didn't have anything to play for, the fact that the Cardinals had pretty much everything to play for, and for them to come out that flat and that sort of disinterested, um, it almost stinks of, like, they overlooked it. Like, oh, we handled these guys closer to full strength in week one. Now that they're falling apart, we're going to win with no problem. And then they managed to score 12 points. So what are you going to do? If our kicker could just kick the ball straight, it would have been a blowout. Yeah. 
exactly. You know, I think the defense did its job again. I mean, I think the, one of the, the more interesting parts about this bizarre season is been the fact that I, I don't want anybody to be, to be thinking that the defense is like, Oh, like they're really close to what they were last year. They're not. But the fact that they've even held it together um, <laughs> as, as effectively as they have, you know, the fact that they're still in an effective defensive unit is saying a lot. And I think that says a lot about what the coaching staff on that side of the ball has done. I know your feelings about Robert Sala and all that kind of stuff, but I think he's done a good job keeping this group together. Um, you know, again, holding this Cardinals offense that's been playing pretty well over the last couple of weeks to just 12 points. You know, they kept DeAndre Hopkins under wraps. Um, he torched them in the season opener, just like absolutely destroyed them. Had career highs, I think, in both yards and receptions. This week, just 48 yards on eight catches, um, mostly due to good work by Jason Verrett, who did not play in the week one uh, game. Um, but he held it down and 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 really kept him, you know, even though his catch numbers were high, he, you know, kept it in front of him and didn't allow him to get out um, into the open field and, and that sort of thing. And, and then the offense did enough, you know, they, they were not spectacular, uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, mostly it was, uh, Jeff Wilson ran for 183 yards and 22 carries and George Kittle who caught four passes for 92 yards on a snap count. Um, that was noticeably being controlled for sure. There were long stretches where he wasn't out there. And then, uh, which to me, from a, from a defensive point of view, has got to make you think. Like, wouldn't you think if if you were an Arizona defender that you'd be like, "Oh, Kittle's out there. They're probably going to throw the ball to him." Like, you know, he's coming off an injury. Well, sure. If you were thinking, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. I think you just hit the nail on the head right there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he only caught the ball four times. I think they only threw it to him what five, maybe six. I think just the one drop is the one. The other the time that I can remember, yeah, it's five five targets. Um, but you know, it was a, it was certainly the, the, one of those situations where every time he ran with the ball, I'm, I was kind of like, please don't hurt yourself again. Please yeah. don't hurt yourself again. Um, but you know, good to see him out there. Oh, was it? I don't know. <laughs> yes. Yes. From like a watching George Kittle play football perspective. Oh, it was good watching the replay of him at the time. I was just like, go to bounds, please. <laughs> On every play. <laughs> He'll never, he will never. No, absolutely not. There's no amount of money in the world you could possibly pay him to go to bounds. Nope. Doesn't matter how injured he is. Nope, for sure. Although I am sort of confused. Okay, so he's 100% healthy, more healthy than anyone else in the team would tell on a pitch count. That This is true. That's odd. <laughs> I've let it go. Just one more week of health. One more week of health, please. 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 Yeah, it's it's fine. Yeah, for sure. But speaking of, speaking of injuries. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> They're coming. Yeah, we got him. We got him. The good thing is that I just can't pronounce any of these people's names or spell them. This is true. Except for a couple important ones. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to use the word season ending a lot here, but keep in mind, of course, those listening at home, there's one more week left in the season. So season ending is not really all that much of a major thing. A couple of players, uh, Brandon Ayuk, uh, fell to the dreaded high ankle sprain. On this team, it's just when, not if. <laughs> thus ending his rookie season uh, pretty well short of Jerry Rice's rookie receiving record as he only managed one catch for 15 yards on Sunday, although he did have one run for 16 yards as well. Um, but that doesn't count in his uh, receiving yards numbers anyway. So a uh, good solid rookie season. He had a little bit of injury, bad luck. So hopefully that will all go away next year and he'll be ready to go out there for 16 games, but solid rookie season. Really good production given the amount of games that he played for sure. 
Uh, Trent Williams has a knee injury that will also end his season. Um, and I think the 49ers should be using that time to just go ahead and get started on that new contract. Um, be like, hey, Trent, while you're just hanging around, not doing anything, you want to talk about, you know, hanging around here for three or four or five more seasons, depending on how you feel about that. So um, I'd be all for that. I think that's a, a, a high priority heading into uh, the off season, which will start very soon here for the 49ers. Uh, long snapper Tabor Pepper has been added to the COVID list. Um, and in light of that, the team brought back uh, Colin Holba, who was here among like the four long snappers that we had last season, which is just so bizarre. The amount of long snappers that we've had on this team in the last two seasons is pretty remarkable, actually. <laughs> it's been like five of them or something. Well, who has long snappers to get caught with PEDs? Like, what's wrong with us? Yeah. I or maybe what's right with us? <laughs> I guess I'm sort of torn whether that's absolutely horrible or unbelievably amazing. I have, I have no earthly idea. Um, so anyway, he's been brought into the team. My guess is that means that they're expecting Pepper to not be available for uh, for Sunday, or it could just be Holba's here to cover the slot for practice, and hopefully Pepper will be ready to go. He's been he's been good, he, you know, doing his job. That's uh, the team has asked him to do, and actually even been more more than just the long snapper, you know, running down there fielding kicks and all that kind of stuff. Not as a return man, although that'd be kind of cool if you could do that. Um, (laughs) uh, Chris's favorite news of the week is probably that uh, Tom Compton Compton has had his practice window opened up. He was on the uh, injured reserve the last couple of weeks. Um, I, I, my guess is that that means he's probably going to play on Sunday because what would be the point of bringing him off the, IR if they didn't expect him to play on Sunday, I guess. I mean, it's just, you know, it's like it feels like it's probably going to happen. But the 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 offensive line depth <laughs> is very poor at this particular point. So um, I guess as if he's a warm body who might have a chance of playing that he'll probably play would be my guess, but I have no idea. Um, and then the last bit of news that has just come through is. A big day for uh, Robbie Gould, who signed a, yeah, in more ways than one. Uh, <laughs> this is <laughs> this has been really strange. Uh, so he, he signed a two-year contract extension, which the 49ers website uh, referred to it as a renegotiation of his of his previous contract. If I'm not mistaken, he had a team option for next year. So essentially what they've done is they've guaranteed next season and the season after that is my understanding of it. Um, I'm not sure that the numbers have not really come out. And hopefully the biggest thing is that it will lower what was going to be like a five and a half million dollar cap hit next year and free up some money for, for somewhere else. I think that's the biggest thing in that regard. So I like gold. I don't like how much he's paid. And the only other problem I guess it's only a problem because he was so bad this last week. <laughs> the timing is not great. It feels sort of weird to be like, hey, miss all of your extra points and field goals, and then we'll just give you an extension. It's not the message you want to send to your players. Other than our commitment, unlike the Bears, that you still want to go back there. The Bears would cut him like on the spot. The timing of it is because they had to make an make a decision on his his option by Saturday. Yeah. So they had to eat so that was kind of 
it, it's just weird timing is really the <laughs> the thing of it. But 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 it gets it gets weirder for Robbie. Is that possible? In that <laughs> mere hours after the extension was um Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> After the extension was was thrown out there by um, Adam Schefter was the first name that I saw it. Uh, they added they added gold to the COVID list. So he signed a contract extension. A couple hours later, he gets a positive COVID test. I'm assuming, or he was noted as as a trace until he's added to the COVID list, um, which means that he might not even be available for the final game of this season. Anyway, so weird uh i saw somewhere uh the, the there's a report that the niners are going to sign a the kicker off of the vikings practice squad um his name is tristan viscaino um i don't know anything about him uh just that that's potentially who they're looking to bring in uh to kick on sunday so that's that's kind of fun <laughs> can't the vikings Normal kick or not kick? Uh, do they have Dan, do they have Dan Bailey? Is he still there? I don't even know. Yeah, I think so. For the Vikings, but anyway, hasn't he become like some kind of problem? For missing all the field goals. Yeah, I mean they're out of the playoff race anyway. I think so. Yeah, I think he's partially to blame for that. I don't know. It just reminded me of who was the kicker back when they were playing the Seahawks. The playoffs must have been five years ago. Who the Vikings? I don't remember. Yeah, the Vikings. I just remember this distinctly because they you had know, driven down the field and it was like an easy like chip shot for anyone <laughs> but Robbie Gold. Hey. I actually like Robbie Gold a lot. We just overuse him. <laughs> It'd be nice if he was money all the time. Or even gold for the pun. But <laughs> I was supposed to meet some buddies of mine for the, the late game and I was, you know, obviously watching what I hope to be a embarrassing loss by Seattle and it looked to be that embarrassing loss and I was a little bit late for the late game and it's like a bar restaurant that's like right across the street from me it would take me two minutes to get over there so I'm like okay you know, there's no way on earth that Minnesota's gonna lose this game I'll be over there in like two minutes by the time I got there they're like showing the highlights of how they somehow lost <laughs> and then you just like shanked it like McLaughlin style and I was sad <laughs> I like that. That's part of our vernacular, McLaughlin style. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like a, uh, you gotta turn into like a verb or something. <laughs> I don't. I don't like that. I don't. Don't like it at all. Let's not sign them. So, here's a serious question. Yes. Would the 49ers be better if they didn't have a kicker? And this is a totally serious, serious question. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it sounds stupid, but. In that Shanahan would not be able to kick field goals? Is that kind of your thought process here? Well, obviously it's going to hurt you when you want to kick an extra point to win the game. <laughs> I think it's safe to say that that's right, right, right. Not good. right. That would be a problem. And maybe there might need to be like some solution to that. But if we can solve that in some capacity, yeah. and you're not able to kick stupid field goals okay. from 40 yards, you think they're always going to go in because they usually always go in. But sometimes you find out that they don't go in. I think in his head, it's just good as gold. You know, and he's realizing, wait, it's not as good as gold, which could actually be a good thing for him in the long run. Thinking positive here at the end of the season. I don't know. I mean, I I, I get what you're what you're trying to get at, which is that it would <laughs> not force getting him, at, but force Shanahan <laughs> to because mostly because I because I know what you're thinking um, at this point after all this time um, <laughs> of suffering yes, it through would, me. It would be good in that it would force Shanahan. <laughs> it would it would force Shanahan to make. 
to make different decisions with fourth down plays or with other plays really just in general like if he you know once he passes the 50 the 40 yard line on his side of the field it would force him to make different decisions and and so in that regard i think that would be probably to his benefit because he wouldn't be able to go okay well if i know it's second and nine but as long as i pick up four yards here i'm good because i can kick a field goal kind of thing which is what you're sort of implying um obviously the 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 extra point thing would be a problem um but 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 and again going for two is better overall than going for may, one. well it depends on how you feel about how they feel about their ability to to complete those two-point conversions too so that might be an issue we but, just throw the ball to juice every time and it's like some true that's true that's true i think they'd figure it out after a while but just but, don't run with them yes i I agree with the 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 general conceit of what your of your question, but think it would probably be a bizarre way to to hamstring than the team. Just, yeah. just throwing that out there. I think there might be some criticism involved. <laughs> probably it would be it would be new. I think it would be an interesting thing for them to have tried like six weeks ago. You know, just send yeah. Robbie back home to Chicago where he wants to be anyway, and just keep paying him a bajillion dollars for no reason, and. <laughs> Not have a kicker. I just see what happens. All right, the kickerless offense probably not going to happen. But I'll take your hint and sort of summarize my thinking here by removing your kicker as an option or crutch, depending on how you want to think about it. It would force Shanahan to change his offensive mindset, which, in my opinion, is far too passive, and it would force him to be aggressive and attack the defense. Because he has to attack the defense because he has to get a first down in four downs. He can't just get negative two yards and then kick a field goal on fourth down, which often it appears that he's totally comfortable with doing. So one would assume Shanahan would throw the ball a lot more than he does currently, which is far below how often he should call passing plays when the team's in a neutral game script. And it's sort of a two-for-one because it also resolves his problem of kicking field goals when he should go for it because you have to go for it. So by passing the ball, which is the most effective way to move the ball and gain first downs instead of running the ball so much and not kicking field goals when you should go for it on fourth down and even times when you shouldn't go for it on fourth down because your early down play calling is going to be a lot better, and it's going to put you in that situation far less frequently. So altogether, if the 49ers were kicker-free, under Shanahan, their offense would be, in my opinion, a lot better than it is right now. But to be clear, this is just a thought exercise, sort of a demonstration as to how simple some of the 49ers' offensive problems could be fixed, even by removing players from your team. And it's obviously nothing that you would ever do because the 49ers could just call better plays right now with their kicker. They just choose not to. Um, let's go ahead. And um, do you have any other questions or thoughts or anything that you'd like to convey before we get into the ups and downs and such for the Cardinals victory? Sure. I got like 45 minutes worth because it was really difficult to determine ups and downs for this game. Yeah. Because it was such a weird game of mediocrity where a couple players played well, but a lot of players played 
well or okay at some times and not good at other times. It's just such an odd game because one team has so much on the line and they get beat by a team that has nothing on the line. And especially when they let us borrow their stadium, like I can guarantee that there's no way they'll ever let us do that again. So they better figure out this whole COVID thing ASAP. <laughs> I did, I did, I did see a thing, a thing on Twitter where it's like Niners returning to to State Farm Stadium. It was like somebody trying to press the key code <laughs> on the on the on the door, and they went in and it wouldn't work. And they just kept cycling through. Like they can't, they kept present because they locked, they changed the lock. It's not four nine four nine anymore. Because um, they're like, sorry, you beat us. Now you can't stay here anymore. <laughs> Um. <laughs> all right. I have a couple things to say, and you don't. You do not want to miss this. Oh, Chris has other things. You probably do, but I really don't have too much to say about the one up and one down. So I'm just gonna say it now because I need to say stuff. Okay. <laughs> so is this the one up one down? I'm very confused. This is not. This is when you ask me if I have any thoughts before the up and down, and then I tell you usually not too many thoughts because I usually don't have that many thoughts. <laughs> But today I do have thoughts because I don't have thoughts gotcha. about the other stuff. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Cool. So streamlined this podcast. <laughs> this is very confusing, but continue. And I welcome your <laughs> comments and your insults. So bring it. Actually, the meaner the insult, the more I will like it. Well, we'll see how that goes. So just give it to me. Okay. <laughs> so Larry Fitzgerald needs to retire. Your feelings. <laughs> um, you know, it's probably his time. He's yeah. getting up there. It's been a good run. For sure. And by good, I mean like amazing. And somehow I don't hate you, even though you've ruined many, many of my days. But you seem like a great guy and you're one of those extremely rare talents that you, weird saying generational talent, but in some ways he is. He's never really at that super, super elite level that you would expect out of another wide receiver that you would say is a generational talent, but just so consistent for so long. But your time is over. You've obviously falsified your birth certificate because there's absolutely no way you're still in your 30s. <laughs> so, Larry Fitzgerald, second quarter. I don't know if you remember this play, but it's third and four. And he catches a three-yard reception and then is body slammed by Kwan Williams, who's apparently like our hugest, biggest tackler on the field. This is one of my gripes about Salah. Earlier you said, or you at least implied that I don't like him. And... You are only partially right. <laughs> that, that there are a lot of things I like about him and a lot of things I don't like about him. And I think that he will succeed going forward. So on this play, it was just an obvious, obvious... You couldn't deny that this play was specifically supposed to go to Fitzgerald. And four yards, Brett is playing just about as soft as a corner who's playing slightly cover three could possibly play. And he is deathly scared of Dander Hopkins, who's in the slot. So this would be a time where I would want to be a lot closer to the two receivers. Perhaps pressing at least Hopkins on the inside. Instead, Brett was playing, I don't even know how many yards back, but certainly in the definition of quote-unquote soft, which is six yards or more. K1 was faking a blitz and just not covering Hopkins at all. <laughs> And this is what takes me back to my gripes about Salah. He and his staff did a great job in devising a game plan to stop 
Kyler Murray from being an effective quarterback. And that game plan was essentially rotating their defense between a handful of different styles of play, specifically to defend against the pass because the Cardinals couldn't run the ball. One being drop eight guys into coverage, knowing he's too antsy in the pocket and will eventually throw the ball somewhere. Two, limited pass rush, but spying him in case he's going to run. And three, all-out blitzes, usually involving a corner or multiple corners. And overall, it worked, but he sometimes struggles with taking a working theory and properly executing it. For example, your spy should probably be guys who could potentially catch the quarterback. And yeah, you should have your nickel corner fake the blitz sometimes, but this is not the time that you should do it. It's just bad on its face because it's going to be a first down unless there's some incompetence. And there was incompetence, and it was by fits. And I was like, what is going on? Because, yeah, Sure, you're old, but you're also a smart wide receiver who certainly meets the definition of quote-unquote experienced. So two receivers, battery side, K1 faking a blitz, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL uncovered. Brett standing back there, scared out of his mind because he has two people in front of him. Good thing that one of them runs like a 5-5-40. And... I believe it's supposed to be a smash concept, but Hopkins doesn't even bother running it the way that it's likely intended to be run. Actually, he doesn't run at all. He just sort of jogs. It was very odd. It was very like Randy Moss of him. I don't know any other way to put it, but he does not think that Jerry Rice is the fourth best wide receiver in the history of the NFL. I don't think. I think he's a little too smart for that. But Hopkins, like I said, doesn't run. He... Instead, doesn't even take what you know was a normal traditional seven route. He just like saunters beyond Verrett, forcing Verrett to backpedal and leaving Fitz just basically uncovered. And he could have moved the sticks if it was third and six, third and seven. But Fitz also jogs or maybe runs at full speed, I don't know, and stops like a yard and a half before the sticks. And I've never seen him ever do that, ever. So Murray throws him the ball, and K1 immediately tackles him because K1 tackles everybody because he's a tackling machine because he weighs like 170 pounds. And it's the fourth down. It's like a rookie mistake by one of the smartest wide receivers in the NFL. I sort of came to that decision, even though he had some garbage time stats later in the game, that he's just done. I mean, just... He's been so good for so long, it just lays him up. You know, and I know he wants to win a Super Bowl, but you know, that ain't happening this year. And I don't think it's happening as long as you have your coach in there either. So unless you're gonna get traded somewhere to a team that's gonna just put you on a bench and give you like a ring, a la Jimmy Garoppolo in New England, I don't think you're going to get there. So I think it would just be best for you to enjoy the amazing career that you've had that's been inspirational to so many players and so many players watch all the routes that you run and try to replicate them as best as they can but never can <laughs> and you know you're just an amazing football player who i want to hate so badly and i just can't so 
this is just a play that I don't want to push it farther than it should be pushed. And I think it's already reached that point. No, that seems fair. I mean, you know, everybody's got to go sometime. And I mean, like, retire, not like die. I don't want him to die. He seems like a nice fellow. We've already talked about this once today. Everyone's going to die. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I, I definitely agree with, with pretty much everything you said. He's always been one of those players that's like, you play against him twice a year as a 49ers fan, and you're like, I, want, I don't want to like that guy. But How can I not? Gosh darn it, he's, he's good, and he seems like a decent fellow, and he never seems like the type that he, he's never been like, I'm going to one up you. I'm going to show you how good I am. He just goes up there and he just plays. And I, yeah, I agree generally with what you said. If every wide receiver was more like him, it would be very difficult to cover wide receivers. But from a personal standpoint, <laughs> I think that the NFL would be a better place. For sure. Yeah. But I'm not done. Oh, I'm not done. <laughs> if all of your receivers were going to have to miss the game due to some fake COVID. Saturday was the game for it because <laughs> CJ Beathard threw two completions to wide receivers over the entire game. And he threw two completions to his fullback and they were both touchdowns. And he threw another pass to his larger running back, which was also a touchdown. It's not normally a good strategy for victory. And I think it's one that's going to be exploited a lot this upcoming week, unfortunately. But I guess we'll get into that. Maybe a little bit later. CA was good enough to not lose when his running back ran for more yardage than he threw for. And that's just sort of like a you know, this dream scenario for Shanahan where your quarterback really doesn't have to do anything other than hand the ball off and get some bad situations. Eh, we're up, whatever, we'll just punt it from their 45 or whatever. And CJ I don't really blame him too much for that fumble because it sort of looked like a throw and wasn't his fault. He just has a right tackle who just can't block. And I don't know what you want him to do about that. I feel like a lot of quarterbacks in that situation and Mullins certainly did it, uh, especially towards the latter part of his season slash career this year. He didn't really have like the happy feet that you see a lot of quarterbacks have and they don't trust their offensive linemen in the pocket, and they just want to get out of there because they, you know, they can count in their head. Usually, not necessarily CJ, but most quarterbacks know when they're about to get killed because someone has missed a block by now, and I should be getting killed. He doesn't really move in the pocket unless he's really forced to. Sometimes to a fault. Whereas Mullins. If you watched tape from him, especially over the last couple of weeks when he just kept getting killed by whoever McGinty was trying to block in theory, he would start off like on one hash and he would end up on the other hash. <laughs> he was just like, the pocket would move because he was just trying to get away. And I think I've talked about this before. He's just trying to get as far away from McGlinchey as possible so he can just maybe have another half second to throw the ball. But you know, CJ's a tough dude. And for some reason, he loves getting hit, which is sort of cool. It's like Jeff Garcia. You remember the Jeff Garcia days when he like threw the ball into the ground and looked like he was like actually left-handed when he was right-handed until he got hit so hard that you thought that he was concussed or lost a couple of brain cells and then suddenly he was awesome. I think maybe CJ has a little bit of that. I just need to get hit once to get in this game. And even Alex Smith showed that a little bit 
later in his career in San Francisco. It's like, man, he just doesn't have it today. And then he just gets pummeled. And he's like, okay, this is football. I think I'm going to play it now. <laughs> I don't know if that's a thing for, uh, for CJ, but he did do a great job of trusting an absolutely untrustable offensive line. I don't know if that's smart, <laughs> but it, it is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to trust your coaches to put you in a good situation, and they didn't for the most part, although their offensive line did play better than normal, most of them. But I was sort of proud of him for that. So, you know, I don't like Beathard very much as a long-term option for this team, but, you know, he was good enough. And obviously, with everything that he's gone through and his family, it's like, I mean, how could you not root for this guy and how could you not feel for him? And we was talking about it after the game. So I would at least long range cheers you with my Coca-Cola Zero or your work under center during last week's victory. Because it was appreciated and your effort is always appreciated even if your passes are not usually accurate. This sounds like the down section, but you just moved it ahead of the up section just for the record but i'm saying nice things though right i, I mean yeah i guess that was sort of a both are you gonna say like what else can you say that's nicer than i said about Beathard's performance <laughs> i challenge you <laughs> i don't i mean i you know he won right he this doubled his win total of this career this is true right yes he played fine he didn't throw just water tears but he knew that you expected Ayuk to he, he didn't want to break that record and he wasn't going to let that happen. So you can blame him all you want, but it's not his fault. It's your fault. So. <laughs> all right, so Salah. And just to finish off what I was talking about before, he came up with a game plan this time because he had no game plan last time. And I'm not really sure that he knew that DeAndre Hopkins had been traded to Arizona because it sure didn't look like he did. But his game plan this time was a well thought out game plan. And I was like, yeah, Salah, like you are head coach material here. Like I like it. And I think it worked out really well against Murray when he was passing the ball because Salah would, I mean, obviously the first drive was a big hot mess, but after that, Murray had really no clue what was going on. <laughs> and what you want from Murray is for him to be in the pocket. You don't want him running around outside the pocket because he's faster than all of your defensive lineman, especially the 49ers defensive lineman. So he kept Murray in the pocket, which for most quarterbacks is a horrible thing to do because he was in the pocket clean for a long, long time. But he has these happy feet that are just begging him to get out of the pocket as soon as he can. And eventually, and sometimes really, like eventually, when you get anywhere near him, he just throws the ball or exits the pocket for no reason. And when he throws the ball, he just throws the ball somewhere, like anywhere. And it's very rarely, at least in this game, near a receiver. Or if it's near a receiver, it's near like two receivers. So overall, I think it was a very good strategy, except for fourth down. On fourth down, Arizona was successful every time they ran the ball. That was one time with Drake and three times with Murray. And these weren't like fourth and inches. They were... Fourth and fives. I mean, you know, these are not gimme plays here. These are not quarterback sneaks. These are him running to the outside and beating whoever you have outside who's supposed to stop him. And you know, on one play, it was obviously Hyder's fault when it was run to the left side of the field because 
he didn't even rush the quarterback. Like his job was to basically spy him. I don't think he understood what that meant. So he was caught inside and Murray just runs outside for first down. And it's just like if you just like stepped outside like ten feet, then you would have blown this play up. But that's, you know, a coaching point and these guys only have so much time and it's week sixteen. I'm not gonna be too harsh on the coaching staff for not t- telling him what to do because it's probably nothing he's ever done before in his life. Actually, other than last week when he was the only player who could possibly potentially cover Zeke 2.0. Salah, like I said, I was proud of him for coming up with that game plan, but he needs to come up with a better game plan on fourth down because while all those runs were all successful, every one of his passes on fourth down were not. And that would lean me to believe you want him to pass the ball more. <laughs> and you know, even on like Twitter afterwards, it's always fun to look through the comments of the opposing team who just got beat and maybe had their season ruined, especially when they're sort of a rival, but sort of our friends because they let us use their stadium. So I feel sort of weird about that. All of them were just like, why are we not going for every fourth down and just running to the outside? Because this team cannot stop us. And I'm like, thinking in my head, that's a very good question. I don't know why I don't. <laughs> because we're not going to stop you. you know? And uh, the only time that the Niners really did stop him was on second or third down when they spied him or they had an extra linebacker who just barreled down and just pummeled him to the ground. Overall, I think that was a good performance by Salah. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I agree. I am less critical of him than I think you are, generally speaking. I think the the work that he's done um, with the players that he has often had um available at his disposal has been pretty solid um i mean there's certainly some i mean nobody's a perfect perfect at their job and there's certain there are some pretty obvious um issues that the team has had over the last over his tenure even when they were really good last season you know like dealing with quarterbacks like like murray and and wilson and and the the running types um yeah but or you know it's sam darnold or carson wentz or there was one really strange one i can't remember who it was oh fitzpatrick yeah it was fitzpatrick who <laughs> ran on them and we were like oh of course um but yeah i think i think by and large he's done really well with with the personnel that he's had at his disposal i mean you know no real edge rushing presence not at least the type of player that you would want out there you know carrie hyder has been playing really well but he's not the ideal person that you want out there um coming off the edge for most of your pass rushing plays although he did catch Kyler from behind on the one play he did though he, he again he's he's played well uh this year so hard to fault him too terribly much for everything I mean i did see the braces of signing in the first place yeah i mean i i think the the game plan was obviously there i think Addition by subtraction with uh, Sherman and not there and Verrett there instead of him um, because of the flexibility that that Verrett uh, supplies you with and the ability to just say, hey, Jason, go cover number 10 and you make sure that number 10 doesn't doesn't beat us um, kind of thing. So I think that helped um, makes a difference. Yeah. Um, as opposed to the Cardinals going, hey, we're just going to stick him on on whoever we want because Sherman's not going to follow him or anything like that. So, yeah, by and large, good stuff from Salah on the defensive side. So anything else that you have? Yeah, 
I'm obviously more critical of Salah because I'm more critical of everybody than you are because you're nicer than I am. <laughs> that might be true. Which is definitely true. I think he's done overall a good job and a better job than I thought he was going to do given his resume. And there are things that he needs to learn. And if he does become a head coach next season, I think he needs to bring in an experienced defensive coordinator because the combination of his passion on the sideline with an experienced DC who's been a student of the game, I think that's a winning combination. Because I think sometimes we forget how quickly Salah skyrocketed through the ranks. He went from short-term linebacker coach to defensive coordinator to two years later he's coaching in the Super Bowl to two years later he's going to probably be a head coach. That's not normal. And it's understandable that there are things that he does not understand and doesn't get it right. So having that experienced TC by his side, I think is a necessity. So he avoids situations similar to Miami, where he's putting players on the field that have no business being there and not taking them out and basically losing the game. Someone I've criticized him in the past, maybe once or twice. I've criticized him for his role as the San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator, not as the individual who took a job position, which he was offered, which was probably his lifelong dream. And with that, considering his relative lack of experience, forced a little bit more OJT than I would prefer for our defensive coordinator to have. So it's pretty understandable why he's been on this firing slash head coach candidate roller coaster where he could be either one of the two, depending on his performance the previous week. I think he's done a good job delegating to his more experienced assistants, which is something that leaders do and something that I wish that his boss would do a little bit more often. So I think he has all the tools. And because of his lightning fast trip up the ranks, I don't think that we got the best of Salah. I think we would have a better defensive coordinator on our hands if he spent the normal amount of time between promotions. If that were the case, I think that a lot more people would be extremely upset about him leaving as opposed to sort of apathetic. That's sort of where I stand. I think that he needs to take the next step too quickly, just like he's taking the next step too quickly everywhere else. And I wish him success, and I'm not going to lose any sleep over it if we keep him or if he, as expected, goes on to be a head coach somewhere else. Unless we replace him with, like, Greg Williams. <laughs> Are you ready? Time for the grand finale. What what, are we, what do you got now? <laughs> this is the end of a horrible season, so we just need to do what we need to do. We've completely gone off the rails here. Shanahan, and I'm done. Before the game, he scared me by saying he planned to be even more conservative because he didn't want to turn the ball over. And I don't know what that looks like, nor do I want to, in case it's like an eclipse where I need proper eye protection. 
So I think that was very irresponsible of him to say without giving us the proper protection equipment. But <laughs> apparently you could watch it without it damaging your eyes. And it was somewhat effective in that Arizona was so bad that you could play as conservative as you wanted to play and you could still beat them. But similar to Bethard, he was good enough not to lose, particularly thanks to his beloved running game. And this is what Shanahan wants. He wants his running back to carry the ball for, well, for as much yards as possible. He's not going to get too much of that out of Wilson, although he has suddenly turned into some like world-class sprinter or something. But he wants to get into positive situations for second down which only makes sense. He just doesn't realize when to stop. <laughs> I think that's the real problem. And he keeps doing it and doing it and doing it. By the time he realizes it doesn't work, the game's over. And we've lost. So he's not so adept at those changes until the game's out of control. He also wasted a lot of drives, and it wasn't just gold. So maybe that's what he means by a like, more conservative, which is getting into opponent territory and then not doing anything. For example, being in Arizona's territory and then right in the middle with Coleman on first down, that's it. You know, might as well punt on second down. Just not getting anything done. Just compare yourself to other teams that are good on offense. And we should be at least okay on offense with Shanahan calling the plays. And they don't do stuff like that. Their series is not over because of the first down false start. First of all, why on earth are you calling a run play at the middle on first and 15? And why are you calling it to Coleman? Like, I can't think of many worse play calls than that. Maybe he's just so scared that Beathard's going to turn the ball over, and maybe I, I sort of understand that with his off the line. So if he gets it, then I'm sort of cool with it. But if he doesn't get it, then I'm not cool with that at all. And I don't know if he gets it or not. So I guess we'll learn more about that next year. No reason to criticize him now, because I've done enough of that. You have never... What are you talking about? What, but Shan? Yeah, I, I feel like I've been too rough on him. So I'd like to make it clear that I like him a lot. I think I talked about this last week, right? I want to make the right decisions at the right time and not the wrong decisions that make it more likely that we'll lose. And that's it. And it's all fixable. I could fix you in a week. Well, or theoretically. I mean, I really like six seriously. Like if you were open to it, show you a couple of graphs, just introduce you to analytics, have you read a book and just those simple things would turn this like leader of men into a real leader of men and it would make the Niners offense that much better. And like, why isn't his dad like talk him into that? I feel like it's, he's like the only guy that he listens to. If gold wasn't trying to sabotage his extension, <laughs> this game would have been out of hand a lot earlier than the final drive. So I think that's a good enough job for Shanahan. And I think that he was successful so kudos to him for winning a game that was on its face, one that did not technically matter to the team from a statistical standpoint, other than it gives us the worst draft pick, but that doesn't really matter because we just draft wherever we want and just trade all of our picks because we like to do so. And that's more of like a lynch knock than it was a shame knock. I would rather win this next game than lose it. And I hope that every other foreigners fan would agree with me, even though they don't. So, good job, Shaney. We're proud of you. I know you can do it. And it's good to see that you realize that Beathard is not the answer. 
still confused as to why he's on the team. Maybe you're trying to trade him. I, I don't know. But hopefully there is some method to your madness. I'm done with that. But do you have any final, final thoughts before we move on to the up and downs? <laughs> Wait. We didn't do the ups and downs. I feel I feel like we were doing the ups and downs there, but I'm I'm confused. No, those were my ups and downs, but for the same person because they didn't really qualify for an up or for a down. I have nothing else to. I have nothing further to say. Um, Other than speed it up. <laughs> that was the longest introduction of all time. I warned you. We didn't technically get into the meat of the episode yet. We're like an hour in, but anyway, that was the meat. I mean, that was called, okay. That was gold. That was gold, like yeah, from good last ass. week. Um, I don't really know what. Do you have more things to say? Like, what's the, <laughs> <laughs> okay? Is that like a challenge? All right, how about this? I think we should go an entire episode with you talking, and then I translate it into what you really want to say. Basically, that's isn't that what you just isn't that what you just did? I don't really know. Oh, no, it would be much worse. <laughs> like, the thoughts going on through your head are much, much worse than what you would ever say. Oh, 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 okay, got it. I see what you're saying. Um, more on that later. Um, we're taking requests for uh, <laughs> new directions for the uh, podcast for the 2021 season, so we'll see how that goes. Please don't vote to fire me, please. <laughs> I picked a really bad I, episode. I do not have any control over this. Oh, not you. I wouldn't act like this if you were in charge. You'd love me <laughs> in my face, at least. <laughs> Uh, like the little um all right so we're going to quickly go through the ups and downs um and because you just talked for a long time i'm going to go first uh so my up for this game is uh it, i think there was a lot of good things to say which i think is kind of what you were getting at during that <laughs> a lot of what you were saying there um the positives positives from this game but um i th- are you saying that i need to download grammarly i no i'm not saying <laughs> Not saying that at all, uh, <laughs> but I think <laughs> and shorten all my sentences to like three words. <laughs> I don't think that would help. Um, but I think in uh, light of a, a recent, and I sort of uh, buried the the lead on on this particular uh, piece of information. Um, in that, there was another announcement. Uh, the league named Fred Warner the NFC Defensive Player of the Week, and so he's going to be my up for this week. Um, I think there were a lot of directions we could have gone um based on uh, a lot of performances on saturday um but i think the 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 reason that i went with warner in the end was you know the the award was one thing but also we just haven't really talked about him that much um in spite of the fact that he's had a great season um and you know say what you will about his quote-unquote lack of statistics and blah 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 um but uh he's he's had a, a great season and he had another great game on on saturday uh 14 tackles three passes defended um including the game ceiling play as the cardinals were going for it on fourth down um down just eight points and if they had gotten that uh that fourth down who's to say that they couldn't have scored and tied the game and made it a lot more interesting than it had any right to be um I think you can make an argument that one or two of those uh, passes that he defended could have been intercepted. Um, interestingly enough, he's still among the team leaders in interceptions this year with two. So that's kind of sad. Um, <laughs> but he also reco- recovered a fumble uh, during the game. Uh, so um, great, 
just an, another great performance from Fred Warner flying all over the field and making tackles and just being one of the best players on the on the team and on the field at all times and that sort of thing. Um, he was voted in uh, as a Pro Bowler. I don't know if we mentioned that actually. That Fred Warner, uh, Trent Williams, Kyle Juszczyk were named to the Pro Bowl for this year. There's no game. It's just sort of a like a like great job. You're one of the best players this season, I guess. Um, and <laughs> I would uh, certainly think that's sort of lame yet very responsible. It is. It is pretty lame. <laughs> um, uh, so Warner's a Pro Bowler this year. There you go. Uh, and I would uh, say that he should be in the All Pro argument uh, for his for his position um, for sure. Um, there's going to be a lot of discussion this off season about him and his extension. I think he's going to take over for George Kittle in terms of like we got to get him worked out. Uh, for a long-term um, situation and the hope would be that he uh, much like Kittle wants to be here and wants to work with the team uh, to to get that extension done especially with the salary cap situation being as it is not only with the team losing uh, um, all the players that are that they're losing and need to be needing to resign people but also just the fact that the cap is going down probably we don't know what's going on with that but um, great game great season from from Warner um and the fact that he and the 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 fact that he's probably going to play all 16 games in this season is some nothing short of a miracle on this team so <laughs> good job by you there uh Fred Warner what was your first feeling when he went down when he went down last week yeah I was like oh of course Oh really? There was the, the inevitable like yeah of course we're going to lose uh, at, like this is going nobody's going to get Nobody can can survive this season unscathed. That's exact. That is ex- more or less what I thought when it happened. I was like, "Yeah, sure, right, why not?" And then he was fine. So I, I was just ready to like cancel all of my subscriptions to everything. I mean, it was yeah. That was sort of Trek TV and Amazon Prime, and just like that was sort of in that thought process for sure. And like throw my table like it's like Real Housewives or something. But I think, but for some reason, I've been conditioned with the way this season has gone to just be like, "Well, okay, sure." Why not? Injuries, everybody. It was awful. Well, I would like to note that I commented on Twitter today that Fred Warner was the player who has held this defense together when it has been mostly broken 100%. because of the injuries. 100%. And, yeah, and see, look, I said something smart once. <laughs> this once. And I don't believe his stats are all that bad. No, 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 no. Like 115 tackles and 71 solo tackles and being awesome and one of my other points was they gave this kid the green sticker on day one when he's a rookie that doesn't happen it only happens with like the best of the best he is the quarterback of the defense and we need him badly and he's going to be expensive so glad that's not my job but most importantly, Fred Warner's dad, who follows me for some reason, agreed with me. Yeah. So it is not a fact that Fred Warner is the glue that holds the 49ers events together. I like it. And <laughs> we have the potential for bringing on of his brother this uh, during the draft this offseason, who's a safety at BYU. That could be fun. What's the whole BYU thing there with Warner? I don't know. But yeah, they both went there. I'm not sure. I have no idea. Um, but yeah, Troy, I believe is his brother's name. It's a pretty, pretty solid safety on the, from what I've seen. So 
could be somebody to look into during the uh, the off season. But anyway, um, Chris, uh, you would therefore be in every one of my mock drafts. Yeah, absolutely, one. for sure. Whatever round, um, who cares? Chris, <laughs> uh, do you have an up for the for the game? Any further things to say about the Cardinals game? Only some very short things. So, <laughs> and really, because this is tough, dude. <laughs> who do you give this to? I want to give it to Warner, but really slow to get to any document that would summarize what we're talking about. So I didn't get him. <laughs> so just thinking through the players, K1, I mean, he was awesome. His blitzes were money, and his sack was very, very important. And even Witherspoon, like Witherspoon came to play. Yeah. And crazy as this to say, if we have. K1 return and if Witherspoon plays like he did on Saturday and we have E-Man and we have Verrett, we are a better team than we would be if we had Sherman on the field. And I don't know if you agree or not, but I feel like that's to me like sort of like a slam dunk. And that's even with Witherspoon being like somewhat not like medically bipolar but just like football bipolar and that you never know what you're going to get from, but you make a fine fourth corner and emergency type corner. And when he plays like he did on Saturday, he'd make a great corner anywhere. So feel free to chime in or just to continue me on my way <laughs> to the end of this. <laughs> no, I, I, I think he's, I think he's actually had two yeah. solid games in a row. It's weird. It's um, like, Doghouse now. And, uh, well, I mean, the timing of it is not. Yeah, the timing of it is certainly bizarre. Like he was, he spent the last this whole season pretty much in in Shanahan's doghouse, which in the in the past has indicated that he was on his way out. But I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't look so certain to me anymore. It's just it would be a question of whether or not he wants to be here. Right um, at this point, um, whether or not the doghouse experience was one of those things where he's like, nah, I'm good. Like, I don't need to, I don't want to deal with that anymore kind of thing. Or if he is going to look at the situation. And again, by all accounts, and we talked about this last year during the playoffs with the, the benching in Minnesota, by all accounts, he seems to be a pretty level headed, decent kid. Right. Um, who, you know, is willing to do what the team needs to do and, and that sort of thing. And he seems to have taken the doghouse situation relatively in stride. Um, I mean, because it would have been very easy, easy for him to be like, you know what? No, I'm good. Like, I don't need to go out there, but get a chance to hurt myself. You know, I'm going to be a free agent. You know, forget you guys. Like, I'm going to I'm going to figure out I'm going to get mine kind of thing. So it seems to suggest that if he's willing to to work with the situation and continue to improve, which he seems to have done. So over the last couple of weeks, why not bring him back? Especially if it's going to be a low cost option for somebody who can, who, you know, you could trust it to, to start for the most part, but wouldn't necessarily need to, uh, if Rhett and Mosley are both back as well. Yeah. And I feel like every team needs a love, hate corner. And he is definitely that guy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Every bad play yeah. that he makes, like, oh my gosh, so bad. And then every great play, like, I love this guy. So Witherspoon is that man. <clears throat> I didn't pick Witherspoon because I would just, yeah, that would just be like very weird. <laughs> and that's not going to happen this year. 
Unless there's something really crazy next week. So Greenlaw, great game. All over the place. Kittle, it's not really loud because he had no business playing in the first place, even though he played well. And, you know, people like CJ, I mean, is not deserving. So I'm going to go with my new bestie, as announced last week, Jeffrey Wilson. I won't even say junior. <laughs> Your cousin. Yeah. I perhaps did was DNA swabs and we are testing cousins. I'm just totally lying. But <laughs> but I do wish he would get the junior part off of his jersey. I'd like him to keep the Wilson and I'm not willing to <laughs> part ways with all of our draft picks to pick up some other junior Wilson. So that's hard to stand on that. Ooh. Wilson, who along with the Fortnite's defense Led by not too bad Robert Sala, future head coach somewhere and future provider of third round draft picks, led the 49ers to victory in this game. It was on their backs and they took it not just in stride, but in like extremely faster than CD Lamb's stride. So I don't really know what's gotten in. To him, although it's likely my recent approval of his play style and his production, but he doesn't even resemble the player that we first brought up from the practice squad a couple years ago. 22 rushes for 183 yards. Like, who would have imagined that Jeff Wilson would do that against a team who is fighting for the playoffs week 16? He ran for more yards than CJ threw. Or um, ending a sentence in a prepositional phrase and probably have lost a lot of respect for me. <laughs> so shout out to our good friends at Zero Technologies who have somehow turned into our I don't know, we're probably gonna like marry them at some point because they used to be like our friends and I'd like they're our good friends and actually I talk to them all the time. They're pretty cool guys. But I don't want this to get like weird, so it will just be our good friends as your technologies who continue to hook me up with some pretty sweet stats every week to make my job easier, like as if it's tough now. So <laughs> so Wilson faced stack boxes, commonly known as defenders ranging from eight to eleven in the box, on one half of his touches last week. He was first in the NFL with eighty-three rushing yards over expectation. And he was first in the NFL with rushing yards over expectation on 73% of his runs. So he's getting a lot out of somewhere between nothing and something. But he is running at a crazy yards per carry clip. And I did not see this coming. (laughs) And I'll be the first to admit it. And I've learned my weights were mistaken. And I now... Welcome you to all of our future family events. So he also added a touchdown reception for which PFF graded him poorly for some reason. And <laughs> that is that in there. On I feel like we need to start calling this Texas route something else. Like the Wilson route, or like I don't know, just something different and more creative than that. Because I mean he's from Texas anyway. And he's perfected it to the point where they don't even run it like a true Texas concept. They go along with this route anymore. They just line them up in the back foot. And now, like in the slot, like against whomever, like cornerback sometimes, 
linebackers who are good in coverage. And he just runs the route by himself, often with no tight end, as like the concept is designed. And he just owns whoever feebly tries to cover him and just takes it for sex. It's, I don't know, it's just it's crazy to me. And I like it because we're friends. So those are my puffs. That was short. That's like the shortest ever. <laughs> I mean, probably, but you know, there was that whole other thing. But anyway, yeah, Jeff Wilson, great job. Basically was the offense. Him and George Kittle, like that was pretty much the offense, which is crazy. George Kittle did not play that game. He did. He did. It happened, man. It's over. It's over. He's fine. We would it's never good. do something that stupid. Anyway, um, into the down so. section then uh, we go. Um, and, you know, I actually found this bizarrely difficult to do because even though it was a kind of weird game that only included 32 total points, um, there weren't like a lot of like obvious uh, players on the 49ers who were like, oh, yeah, they had a bad game. Like, like it was really awful and it really impacted the game. Um, other than, uh, the aforementioned, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Gold, um, who, uh, you know, picked a really bizarre time to not show up. Um, <laughs> it, you know, he had a, a contract extension that was probably in the works already. They were already having this conversation. It, it just looked a little weird. Um, he missed both field goals that he attempted, um, missed one out of his three extra points, um, the, those points would have been nice to have those, those extra, you know, seven points would have been probably good to have late in the game. Um, <clears throat> not as much when you're playing against them in fancy though. I'll got to say about that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I mean the field goals, making the field goals alone would have taken away pretty much all the intrigue at the end of the game, because instead of it being a, an eight point lead as the, the Cardinals are marching down the field, they have a two touchdown lead instead. And, you know, so then you can sort of be like, okay, missed extra point, not a, not a major big deal. Um, I think the most bizarre element of it is that, um, they were bankable kicks. The first one was 41 yards. The other one was 37. So it's not like they were his other two misses coming into the game were both from 50 plus, which, you know, that's a little bit more excusable. The, the distance is certainly something that you want to be able to feel like you can trust your kicker from 50, 52 53 but it's certainly getting out there but that 41 41 and 37 is definitely something you should be able to to not have to to worry about um i think uh gold has been solid pretty much all year he'd only missed those two field goals coming into the game on saturday again both from 50 plus and only one extra point i think he's going to be fine uh saturday was weird um and the of course he may not get a chance to to show that he's fine until <laughs> next year uh depending on what happens with this uh covid situation but uh yeah i mean again not a not a lot to harp on here and it didn't end up costing them but it certainly is something like it's a head scratcher like what was going on there you kind of wonder but uh that's my down pretty quick and pretty simple chris thoughts there and then to you yeah, he was technically better this year than he was last year, I believe. He missed a handful of... Yeah, yeah, that, I think that's true. Year. Yeah, and then he also missed a couple of games, which cost us a important win, but and it just made that Game 17 game just that much more exciting. So he is forgiven. And this is sort of the same 
huge monster mistake that Chicago made when he had a couple down seasons and just hovering somewhere around that like 75% goal percentage range, which is not a number you want to be near, even though actually he was, I believe he was worse last year. But I guess it didn't matter so much because we were putting the ball in the end zone so much. I'm glad we didn't make the same mistake. I just, not obviously, like, it's quite ironic when you have the worst game of your Niners career and then you're immediately extended for two years. So teach everyone to listen. Just play the crap and then you just get a nice long extension. But obviously, it's not the case. But, you know, when I read that, it was just, I was humored if that's allowed here anymore. Always, always. Smiling aloud? Yeah. Okay. And the announcer's going on and on about Peterson and how he's affecting gold in some capacity, even though Peterson doesn't line up on the same side every play. And the problem was just whoever Armstead was trying to block. And I don't understand their whole blocking scheme. This whole, I know some other teams do it like a little less, but I don't know of any teams that do it quite as much as they do, but it's whoever's on the outside and why they have Armstead and Dwelly on the other side blows my mind. But they sort of like try to take on two defenders at the same time by clotheslining them. Like they just stick their arms out, which I don't see how that's good. Like in any way, like what happens? You either like hurt somebody, you hold them. I don't know. And if they would just like take a step outside or a step back, like most teams do, they wouldn't have that problem. And again, it could have nothing to do with Peterson, especially since he didn't directly affect any of the kicks because they all went in the direction that he was going from. Um, and if anything, it was the, uh, I wouldn't even call those guys on the outside. I'm not even sure. It's embarrassing. But the guy from the outside, on the other side, I don't know if he was interviewed after the game about it or not. And I'd be surprised if he throws his own players under the bus. But I think that we need to rethink the way that we are blocking on these extra points and field goals. Because this is not the first time when I'm like, what on earth are they doing? And then I'm like, whoa, that almost got blocked. And he's never really been bothered by it in the past, but if he was bothered by it this time, then it needs to change. And their special teams coordinator is Hightower, right? Richard Hightower. I think that's correct. He's been in the league like forever. Yeah. So he should know enough about protecting his kicker and holder and snapper on short fools and extra points because that's a lot of what he's done for decades. So come up with a better plan where Gould does not have it in the back of his head that this might get blocked. Although it would have been much better if he just removes it from his head and gets some of them blocked than to just miss them so blatantly. Obviously, this is probably not something that we're going to hear about. This is probably something that's going to be dealt with behind the scenes and we will just have to hope that it is still with properly, especially since we just gave him all that cash money. He's really old and we need cap space, but it was decided by someone that it was a good call. So, and I mean, I like gold. He's been money most of the time and he has saved Shannon in many, many a situation. So maybe, maybe to the team's detriment at times, but he is one of the best kickers that I've 
ever seen on the 49ers. And I would like it if he stays and watches just do us a favor and like take a I don't know, like 90% pay cut or something like that. But I don't think that's going to happen. So, downs. Who are my downs? I have the exact same problem that you had. Gold. Eh, I mean, it was horrible, but um, he's pretty sure now. So, and was it all really his fault? Like, we don't really know. Yeah. I can't give it to Shani for playing Kittle as much as I just like it. And the Niners' offensive line play, other than Glinchy, was actually like okay. And he was, of course, his normal train wreck. <laughs> I mean, he was all kinds of bad, but I mean, I'm not going to talk about that because. I feel like at this point it should just be fact. <laughs> if I repeat something enough, regardless if it's true or not, it doesn't have fact. So it took me a while to realize that they changed right guards in the middle of the game. Did you notice that? I did not. Who who started? I mean, I know that Justin School is out there to start, but did Colton McGivitz come in at some point? I, I was. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, th- I think they like split it, and I guess that they look bad in the same way. So, so I don't, I didn't, didn't really notice. And then I'm like, wait, what's he doing in there? <laughs> and yeah, so I'm not sure that's a good thing or a bad thing because often they were turned around the wrong direction, but they weren't that bad. And at this point, that's fantastic. <laughs> so I have no idea what they're going to do with the offensive line over the off season. And it's going to be a, a hot topic of discussion here on the pod. And we will get into many enraged arguments with each other over it, I'm sure. But I think we both agree that it needs to be upgraded significantly if we expect a quarterback to live through 16 games plus the following three games that they need to win to win the Super Bowl with this offensive line, quote-unquote, protecting them. So what do I do? What do I do? Wasted drives? Blame it on Shani? I mean... I'm starting to sound like some kind of hater and I don't hate. All I do is love, especially Shani. And he will be great one day. And he has been great at times. So I decided that since no one but number 69, who will not be named, was really all that horrible. And I'm really sick of talking about him. So I can only imagine how sick you are of hearing me talk about him. So I'm going to call an audible. I'm allowed to do that, even though CJ isn't, I don't think, or at least he better not be with some of those crazy boxes that he was trying to ball into. So my two downs for week 16 are very deserving. However, they do not play on the San Francisco 49ers. Number one, Sean Payton for being the worst now that Greg Williams is gone, he has overtaken Greg Williams and he has that trophy on his mantle. And it's only partially and maybe not like really all about Taysom. Well, I guess it's a little bit about Taysom. But Taysom is not the one I'm blaming. For this. I mean, I don't really expect him to go back to Peyton and say, you know, you should probably put Kamara in this game and not me because he angers Peyton and his career's over because no one else wants him. So there could 
been a little bit of self-preservation there, and I know it is his career. It's not what a leader would do, but it is what it is. Um, and it's also a very uncomfortable situation. So, you know, I don't really judge him for it because I don't dislike him as much as I pretend to dislike him. <laughs> How can you pull Chimera for anybody? Taysom or Latavius or anyone in the NFL? Just so he can't break the all-time rushing touchdown record in the game. I just don't get it. It's like you did it intentionally. I mean, the guy was basically on the field begging to be put back in the game. And I've heard so many excuses from these Sean Payton truthers. And they also tend to be Taysom truthers. So could use some like fitness for duty exams. But they're just going with all kinds of crazy excuses as to why they would do such a thing. And the, the silliest one is that, well, Kamara's obviously tired from scoring all these touchdowns. And you know, on the last drive on defense, you know, we stopped him in three plays and then we got the ball back. So like, you know, he needs a rest. And I'm like, well, I just checked and that drive was like six or eight minutes long. And he touched the ball twice. And he ran for like six yards. I'm pretty sure he's not tired. I'm pretty sure he's one of the most elite athletes in the world. Not some like high school walk on who weighs like three hundred fifty pounds who's showing up at the first day of practice in the summer. I mean, this guy is ready for the ball and he wanted the ball so badly he was like on the field. He's I don't know. Did did you get to watch the game or no? Yes, I did. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you remember, he was like inching onto the field and Emmanuel Sanders was pushing him onto the field. It's like, come on, Peyton. There's no reason for you to do that. And you're just pissing everybody off. Because everybody, even me, and I hate the Saints. I don't hate the Saints, but like Saints are way up there on the list of teams that I dislike. And I wanted Kamara to break that record. And I wanted to watch it. And I wanted to cheer for him when he did it. And if I want it, Lord knows that every Saints fan in the world wants it. And you just wouldn't let it happen. And, you know, like I said, Sanders pushing on the field. Players on the sideline, they're showing them. They're, like, super frustrated. And then, like, for me, just I can't get over is that Saints crowds are booing him. They're booing their coach. Before, during, and after their team scores a game-sealing touchdown in an important game. And you could just tell how much it meant to him and his teammates when he was able to get the second, or I guess, seventh opportunity, and Hayton wasn't stupid enough to take him out for no reason. It's just a bushly move, and at this point, after Bandigate, after everything that I know about him, it's sort of expected, but he's sort of crossed the line for me where I just don't have any more respect for him. He just cares about himself and he cares about nobody else. He doesn't care about his team. He doesn't care about his players. He doesn't care about his fans. At that point, anybody could have scored. You put anyone in the backfield and they would have scored on that play. Why do you need to put Taysom in? Why? There's no reason for you to put it. Like, and 
I even had people telling me, well, maybe he didn't know that there was a record to be set. I'm like, oh, really? So the entire stadium knows, the crowd knows, the players know. Perhaps they announced it in the stadium. Just perhaps. I don't know. It's just a wild guess. And like everyone knows, but the coach doesn't know. I mean, just give me a break. He's doing it on purpose. And it's like, why would you do that? Because it's just going to cause you problems in the locker room. And I just don't get it. Like, why does he have to be such a jerk? <laughs> There's no reason to. And he's just halfway through his career, he was maybe not on like Shannon level, but he was thought to be one of the better, you know, head coaching and offensive coaching minds in the game. And now he's like a joke. And he just can't admit when he's wrong. Taste him as a failure. It is what it is. Wasted money on him. Doesn't mean you can still play on an offense, but you know what you can't do is take your all pro. Actually, I don't know if he's ever been an all pro, but your multi year Pro Bowl running back and take him out of a game so that he cannot tie the record and then put some special teamer in there that you love instead for an easy touchdown when the defense has just given up. When you toss in Bounty Gate, <laughs> I'm not a big Sean Payton fan. That took a very different turn than I thought I was going to, by the way. Where do you think I was going with that? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know where you were going with that. But anyway, continue. Were you not upset by that? I mean... I was furious. I mean, I didn't. we didn't have the, the sound on where it was, so I couldn't really hear what was going oh. on. So I was just kind of like, oh, he scored six touchdowns. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. If only he'd scored seven and then set the record. It's like he had to go out of his way not to let do it. He's been a new enemy. Well, I guess after Carol, Carol will always be my enemy. But then Champagne comes in a cool second. The second's a little more entertaining. And that's Kyler Murray's fake end of game leg whip injury. Like, what is he thinking? I'm sure you've seen that play. I'm sure you slowed down that play. I'm sure you've seen it from every angle. Is it even physically possible for Barrett to have leg whipped him? Yeah, I mean, it was strange to me at like even live, like that it seemed like if he was gonna be hurt that it would have been like a like a rib sort of chest midsection kind of problem. So I remember when he was started limping off, I was like, that's bizarre. Like what happened there? That's interesting. I mean he sort of cowered away from the well, Coward. He protected himself when he was throwing the ball, which is one of the reasons why he didn't get where he needed to go. So, I guess he did cower away because that was the end of the game. And if you're going to get hit and you're going to get hurt, then that's the time to do it. <laughs> but it wasn't worth it to him. So, he didn't do it. And I could see how maybe his leg could get injured if he's like twisting his body and some contorting it in some crazy way to avoid a hit that's really not that hard, but maybe he doesn't know what a leg whip is. I, I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense to me because Bear's tackle was much cleaner than Streets was on Breeze, and Streets on, was on Breeze, and that was like textbook. <laughs> and I believe Kyler Murray is a baseball guy, right? Not, not a soccer guy, correct? <laughs> yes, he played baseball. Yeah. So, either way, maybe he's a fan of this football sports that they speak of in other countries because they don't know 
what the better American football sport is. So there is no diving in American football. You can't fake injuries like that. And you need to realize that it's all on tape from like 18 different angles. And we can tell if you got leg whipped or not. But I've yet to read anything about, hey, maybe he wasn't hurt. Or, hey, maybe he wasn't leg whipped when he obviously was not. I mean, like, actually was not. It's not humanly possible for him to be leg whipped. And it was it was actually like an amazing job by, uh, to, you know, he was flying through that gap. And obviously this is a good part of either Sala or, you know, one of the other coaches and their tackle instructions on quarterbacks because he hit him. But once he threw the ball, he really, really let up and didn't hit him that hard. Just like, Street didn't hit Breeze that hard and like broke every bone in his body because he's somehow older than me and playing football. I think that Barrett did even better because he hits him and he makes sure to hit some square. And then as soon as the ball is out, he like totally backs off of him and then almost like dives to the side so he doesn't land on him. Like you couldn't be any kinder to a quarterback when you could have pummeled him if you wanted to. And it would have been fine, but he was like, I'm not getting a penalty on this play. And there's like, although who knows in this league anymore. (laughs) I was going to say, did you, I held my breath for a second. I'm sure most people did. And I hear you on that because I was like, Ooh, because at first, like when they they showed it, they cut away from real quick. I was like, because he was in the position just to take his head off, you know, because he held on to the ball too long and they didn't really show how hard the hit was, if it was hard or not. And it wasn't hard at all, but yeah, and then ended up being like super clean. So like, once I saw it again, I'm like, okay, there's no way that they can they call this. But he's just like lying on the ground, and like Kyler Murray learned that he is loved by the NFL. Well, he didn't learn that; he knows that. It's like everybody knows that. I don't understand quite why, other than you know this running quarterback obsession, but. He is nowhere close to the breeze level of demanding refs call flags. And he's going to have to play a whole lot better, like even good, (laughs) before he can even think about lying on the ground, writhing in fake pain, confused about which leg he hurt. I mean, it's just pathetic. (laughs) You ever see that Neymar meme when you like, Rolling down a hill, you know, you know, it's just, yeah. it's, it's like that kind of just, just horribleness of like, the game is not supposed to be played this way. You're not supposed to throw a pass and then cower because you don't want to get hit, which I sort of understand, I guess, because you want to play next week or I don't know, but you know, I'm not even played in two weeks. But okay, so self preservation, you know, I don't agree with it. I wouldn't do it, but I'm not going to judge you. It's your health, whatever. But when you, Cower like that, and it's a poor throw, and that's the reason why it was not completed. Because if you had thrown the ball right, it was a completion for a first down, but it wasn't, and the game was over. So, how bad was your leg hurting if you sit up and then watch the ball fall incomplete, and then get back on the ground, and then be sad, and then writhe in pain? <laughs> I mean, it's like, like who believes that? Well, apparently everyone like in the Arizona media believes it. If you can find a story saying 
hey, maybe he wasn't really injured. <laughs> like, please find it for me and send it to me because it's just like, it's established. Like, oh my goodness, it's a leg whip injury. And it's like, on this play, do you know what a leg whip injury is? Because I don't think that Kyla does. So that was just a fitting A of what was overall outside of his running game, an absolutely pathetic performance by a quarterback that somehow earlier this year, despite his stats, was considered a potential MVP candidate. Like, could I laugh any harder? I mean, this guy has so, so far to go before he could even be mentioned as a secondary consideration close to the guys that are sort of the namesays of the day. So just let him be the guy that he is and hopefully he'll grow or whatever. And maybe he can progress into a Wilson style player if he puts on some weight and, you know, it doesn't need a great offensive line because he can't see over it anyway. The guy can obviously run. That's for sure. So he is definitely a threat and I don't like playing him, but at the same time, he's not a very good quarterback. And I don't know why people keep saying that he is. I mean, unless you call someone who throws Hail Mary passes when their eyes are closed, just like CJ, good quarterbacks. I don't really find that to be a quality that I'm looking for when I'm drafting somebody or when I'm looking for a quarterback on my team. I want someone who wins. But we have a franchise here who has winning as a secondary priority. And that's sort of shown by some of their personal decisions, especially the ones at the top. I still took that negative, but it's mostly just supposed to be just making fun of his silliness, you know? But no, it is what it is. Man, we are we're 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 all over the place here. It's only gonna get worse. That's just not. I'm like really done. Like, I'm like. Um, take let's that. take just a few minutes to look at the final game of the 49ers season. Um, they're staying in Arizona, as we mentioned. Uh, it's their final "quote unquote" home game of the season, as they host their playoff-bound rivals, the Seattle Seahawks, who are also again. Uh, I I don't know how this happened because I felt like they weren't going to win the division uh, a couple of weeks ago when they lost the Giants. I was like, cool. At least the Seahawks aren't going to win the division. But lo and behold, the Rams lost to the Jets and ruined that. And so now the Seahawks won the division again. It's just annoying. Um, So, Chris, um, this is kind of the ultimate playing for pride game. You know, it's your rivals. They're coming in. They still have an outside chance at the number one seed, which is the only buy uh, in the playoffs this year. Um, The Niners don't have to win the game to to stop them from that but doing so would uh would pretty well solidify it for them but uh do, do you think that there's any hope that the Niners have of uh of of putting a squash on the uh on the hopes that the Seahawks have for that number 1 seed how many sentences do i get uh 4 all right how about i'll take 2 Okay, I like it. Okay. My answer is not with Bethard under center. That's one. Can't imagine Pete Carroll failing to devise a competent game plan to beat this offense, particularly in a game that actually means something for the Seahawks and means nothing but pride for the 49ers. Yeah. I think that's two senses. Yeah. I think, I mean, and generally, I think I agree with you. Um, 
the I mean, the big thing with the Seahawks is their their defense has actually started to improve a little bit. Um, it's still not great, um, but their last three games have been uh, well. The last four games actually have been against the Giants, which I mentioned. That's the, the game they lost in a totally bizarre fashion. Um, I think Colt McCoy started at quarterback. It was just a weirdo of a game. Um, then they play the giants. So they play the giants and the jets in, in consecutive weeks, um, Washington and the Rams over the last month, they've given up 17, three, 15 and nine points, um, during that stretch. Um, they're still giving up a lot of yardage. They're 23rd in, in yards allowed. Um, and they're last in, in, <laughs> in passing yards allowed. Um, that shouldn't be altogether surprising, but, um, are, uh, much better at keeping teams out of the of the end zone they're only 13th in points allowed so um giving up a lot of yards but not a lot of points and ultimately that's that's kind of the idea right like you can you could give up 99 yards every drive but as long as they don't score a touchdown if you force them to kick a field goal or or force the team to go for it on fourth and fourth and one you're gonna you're gonna win football games so yardage can be a little misleading stat um, defensively DVOA, uh, they're 14th and, in, in weighted defensive DVOA, uh, 21st against the pass and 10th against the run. So, you know, it's, it's, it's improving, but you know, it helps that the jets and, and Washington and, and are not particularly <laughs> offensive juggernauts, uh, and the Rams lost Jared Goff in the middle of their, of their game. And, uh, they're you know not putting up points uh massively uh throughout the the year either um it's it's hard to tell uh what this team is but i think as as you said i think the the most important thing is um it's going to be the same stuff that we've been talking about all year uh right uh the niners are way more injured than than uh the seahawks are and this game doesn't matter enough for the Niners to overcome that. And they're even more injured now um, because we're talking about an offensive line that's going to be Trent Williamless and a receiving core that's going to be not only without Debo Samuel, who hasn't been there for the last couple of weeks, but also Brandon Ayuk. It's just going to be a little thin, I think. I don't know that there's a whole lot of a whole lot there to uh for them to do. And it could be one of those things. Um I I don't know. <laughs> it it probably won't be a whole lot of fun and it'll put a nice little bitter taste in in our mouth until september uh when when football kind of gets back into into place so uh, how many white wide receivers are they gonna start <laughs> who then <laughs> which team the niners or? Uh, yeah the, yeah the niners well i think just one uh trent taylor's still on the covid list i think the last i when i looked today so um, he not be, might not be available. Um, so it would just be river, 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 Craycraft. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm assuming it's going to be born and Richie James as the quote unquote starters. Um, and then, well, our, then we, then we just win. We just throw the ball to Richie James and he has 200 yards. Maybe. Or he'll drop the one pass that's thrown to him. Those are the two options. <laughs> That's it. It's either he's going to have 200 yards and nothing. I prefer that he has the 200 yards than to drop a three-yard pass yes. on third and 13. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. That's one thing. Say. CJ was having a, quite the problem of throwing the ball way too early. <laughs> the, the un, yeah, the underthrows were bad 
on Saturday for sure. Like, can you at least get the line of scrimmage? Because that's not going to go for 13. All right. Well, I don't have anything else to say about this Seattle game, so let's just move into our our final prediction uh, of the 2020 season. Uh, Good riddance to it, I got to say. So first of all, I'd just like to say uh, I do apologize for whatever hex or curse or otherwise that I put on Brandon Ayuk because uh, I predicted he'd have a big game, and he had about as close as you can get to to not showing up um, <laughs> while still being on the field um, and then ended up spraining his ankle. So my fault, my bad, Brandon, if you're listening, um, I was, I'm a little, I'm a little bummed that, that Shanahan didn't go for that record uh, for him um, again, which makes me think that he might've gotten hurt some time during the course of the game. And they just didn't tell us um, because Shanahan is actually, usually has a pretty good history of like going after stuff like that for people. Like he did that for Kittle oh, yeah. a couple of years ago when, when Kittle was getting near the, the NFL record in a meaningless game and he made sure that he got to that number. Um, so I think that was more, it just didn't happen kind of thing or, or something else was going on rather than I think he played like 52 snaps. So it's like 93% of the snaps. So oh, okay. I don't so maybe think not. that he was injured. I think that, the 49ers coaching staff realized that probably couldn't throw the ball to the wide receivers. Yeah, probably. And <laughs> or I, wasn't going to. Yeah. And I think that Pete Carroll's going to recognize that as well. So, you think? Yeah. Per- perhaps. <laughs> perhaps anyway. Somewhat versed. Um, it depends. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's possible. And gum chewing. Anyway, so I'm, uh, my apologies to Brandon Ayuk. Uh, best of luck. Rest up, buddy, and we'll see you next season. Um, so I'm going to make two predictions. Um, first of all, I'm going to predict that Kerry Hyder, who is one and a half sacks uh, from double-digit sacks on the season, will get to that number on Sunday, that he'll get a sack and a half to get himself to that uh, nice 10 plateau, which will be nice for him. Um, probably not super helpful for our attempts to re-sign him in the offseason, but whatever um who knows maybe he just likes us a lot but i don't i don't feel good about that either uh and then i'm going to predict that that this is going to be one of those games where seattle is going to end up winning but it it could be closer than people think uh something like a 27 i'll go 27 21 i i originally said 27 24 but i think that's too close um i i just feel like the the Niners defense is going to come to to do what it what it does and it's this is going to be a, a a typical division matchup that these teams often get into that even when one team is massively better than the other the other manages to stay in the game so that's what I'm going to go with Chris you go and then I'll wrap it up we'll be done so this is it huh well this is this is kind of it we'll talk about We'll wrap the season up next next week, but yeah, this is the last regular season game. Yes, yes. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, please, <laughs> if people think that we're going away, good luck. Yeah, <laughs> you only wish. But yeah, last prediction of the season. I don't think I've been so hot this year. It's much easier when you could just predict a win every week, and then they win. Yeah. This yeah, is true. Back to that next year, that'd be great. I agree. I need to throw in an extra prediction too. If you want, you know, feel free. It's easy is that my second cousin, Jeff Wilson, will lead the 49ers in rushing to 
and the 2020 season. Take that. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, I, there you I'm go. go. I'm going out well done. on a limb. Major limb. Major limb. How about scrimmage charts? Would that be better? Is that respectable? Sure. I don't think that's going to happen. But Yeah, I is at like... Oh, I, I meant more for uh, running backs. Something. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think he's going to catch hype. <laughs> oh, running backs. Okay, yeah, yeah, you should be okay on that one. McKinnon's got 550 somewhere in that range. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, Wilson's got to be, what, well over 600, right? And most are... Uh, he has 121 rushing, or 121 receiving and 524 on the ground. And Mostert was one fifty six on the in the uh, receiving and five twenty one. So they're in that they're in the same neighborhood. Yeah, okay. so that's feasible. So that'll be a little more challenging. Yeah, I think that's I think that works. However, I do not think that the Fortners are going to win this game. Seattle's here by six over under forty six. My kind of math, baby. Twenty six to twenty. No calculator needed. I should like give him half the season off. So you better be ready next year. So I'm going to go a lot worse than that <laughs> because I have a feeling that if the Seahawks jump out to a lead in a game that matters, and unfortunately all of the important games are going to be happening at the same time. So unless something like really weird happens and, they see some score at halftime that's just like a total blowout, and then they just you know, like mail it in for the second half and just pull all their starters or something like that, um, which is always the possibility. Probably isn't a very good possibility for our draft positioning, but anytime we can beat them, I'm happy. I mean, I don't like the fact that the Niners are playing at their fake home because what if they won like one game the entire year at fake home or real home? Right. I think it's something like that. Not good. So I like them to play on the road. So if we just go playing to get this game in Seattle instead, I think it would be better for us. I'm just kidding. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to go with a 31 to 17 C chickens win. Hooray. Womp womp. And, and I'm assuming that Sherman will not be there to. Or taking the festivities? Seems unlikely. Yeah, I don't know. It could happen. I guess. Crazier things have happened. I, I agree. All right. Not well, not, not us this year. We but. shall see. We shall see. Let's hope that it's a slightly better game than that. I don't know. All right. Well, that's a wrap on... Uh, I think that I've wasted enough of your time today. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's a wrap on the uh, the 2020 season. You know, we'll again we'll we'll come back uh, next week to talk about the the Seahawks game, such as it is, and and just really wrap up the season. Maybe talk about you know how it went in a sort of general sense. Um, maybe give out a few awards. I don't know. We haven't really decided what we're going to do. Um, and then we'll uh, get into the off season here pretty quickly. I think we'll probably take a little bit of a break. Uh, once the season is officially over, uh, we had an extra long season in our first year, but, uh, this one, not so much. Uh, so we'll be able to take the next couple of weeks, uh, after the season's over, I think off to, 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 you know, recalibrate and all that kind of stuff. And then we'll get into the off season, you know, uh, free agency drafts, all that kind of stuff. 
um, once the playoffs are getting kicked in and, and, and that sort of thing. But um, as always, thanks for listening uh, to this episode of the Niner Noise podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. As always, check out NinerNoise.com for all your latest 49ers news and analysis. And be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And of course, share it with all your fellow 49er fan friends. So until next time, let's sound the horn, 49ers. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.